Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is the show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. Against my predictions, the World Series is not over yet. It was close. If Charlie Morton hadn't broken his leg, <laughs> I think it would be over. I, it was close. It was very close. Um, I, I still feel very good about our Braves pick. I mean, I think that it would be very impressive if the Astros won at this point. I would not like that at all. I mean, I'm as I see them, I really dislike the Astros. <laughs> From I, this is a, I was first time that i really checked into a game was last night Mm. which i shouldn't have i'm a little superstitious and if it's going the right way and i'm not watching the series i can't watch turned it on i got to see a grand slam and i was like this is good but what if it's not (laughs) anyways well regardless it's gonna be over next time we talk um i was wondering if you knew or had it had any prognostications on who would be our World Series MVP, I'm pretty in on the statistical best choice of Freddie Freeman, I think. But Adam Duvall is making a big claim. I think it's Freddie Freeman unless... But if the Astros win... Well, it's... obviously if the Astros win, it's not going to be a brave. <laughs> but but Freddie Freeman, amazing. I mean, the, the reason I brought this up is because Freddie Freeman has reasserted himself as a, you know an absolute top-tier baseball player like Do Not Forget About Me, which I find very interesting because we talk every year about what playoff storyline is going to affect our draft idea or value in the next year. And I think this playoff run is only serving to increase Freddie Freeman's value. You know, all these players who are in that Freddie Freeman range to like not top-tier, clearly in the second tier, but because they're so clearly in the second tier, sometimes they're just... You know, I think about Paul Goldschmidt yeah, a couple of years ago. Absolutely. He's not he was not a top player. But his consistency in Arizona meant that he was always discussed as like like, well, you know, why don't we just pick <laughs> up um Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah, Freddie Freeman is gonna be in the in the teens when I think yeah. I was thinking that there was gonna be a drop off. Yeah. I think I think his my general guide opinion right now is that he's probably twenties value, but he's gonna get drafted in the teens. But we'll see. Maybe they, maybe they lose the World Series and it doesn't happen. It doesn't matter. Um, no, you know what? I think that he's going to be late teens, early 20s, and I think that's going to be fine. That's okay. going to be good. I think that he's going to continue to do what he's doing. He will have a Joey Votto-like drop-off. Oh, man. Yeah, but then will he have a Joey Votto-like resurgence? Yes. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. He'll have that swan song season. Oh, wait. Okay. So, you're, I mean, you're burying a ton of information in here. So, you think Joey Votto next year is bad? I don't think that he's going to be as good as he was this year. Well, that's a very high ceiling, <laughs> but okay. So I would say he's going to be somewhere between where he was in 2018-19 um, and 2020. Okay. I just split the difference between those. I think that our projections are going to get him right. What a, what a shoot around. All right, we'll find out. I guess I'll look him up next. All right, let's chat EPL. Yet another two of three weekend. We got Chelsea over Newcastle, Leeds over Norwich. Uh, we missed Brentford over Burnley. 
Nothing like checking in and being like three nothing. I I know I know what what is going on here. So, but I think we we've hit on we've hit on something of a better strategy here because the two that we hit were the two that you laid out a clear plan, which was always pick Chelsea, always pick against Norwich, and we'll just roll with it. <laughs> we're gonna do okay. And then find yeah, and then find one more that we think is kind of interesting. Yeah. So I prepped for this weekend the exact same way. Brentford over Norwich, okay, the feels all right. Chelsea over Burnley, that's a slam dunk. And then, you know, pick your poison from the rest of the lineup here. Oof, is this where Norwich gets one point against Brentford? I'm terrified of that, but... Brighton over Newcastle does have my eye, even though it's really hard to understand, but Arsenal over Watford also. I think either one of those. I think that... I The Man City over Man U was, is like a statistical play, but Man U, any one game could come out, like last weekend, put it all together and just terrify you, right? I mean, they have all the pieces. There's just something is wrong with that team. Once they fix it... They can win yep. any one game. Yep. Yep. They're like... They remind me of my rooting interests over the years. That France national team, <laughs> they can win any game yep. against anybody, and they can lose any yep. game against anybody. Same way with the uh, the New York football giants with ah. Eli Manning and the good defense days. Give me any one game. <laughs> We could do it. So I, I do feel the same about Man U right now. So I'm I'm t- I tentatively have them on a on a no you know no pick list. The stay away yeah, on the yeah. stay away. All right, this week we're going to do the complement to our discussion last week, which is we're going to cover our pitching predictions. Last week we talked about hitting predictions. We have some way too early rankings for 2022, and we have some validation against our 2021 rankings, which reveals some interesting stuff in the case of pitchers. Um, for reasons that we'll discuss. So here we go. So to me, forecasting pitchers is inherently different from hitters because we have two two extremely problematic categories because of small statistics. You have to forecast wins. You have to forecast saves. And it's just super hard. Yeah. In the, in the same way that predicting ERA and WHIP should be a little bit easier... You know, like batting average, and for the for the most part, it is. Um, do you want to start on our validation, or do you want to start on rankings? Too early rankings. Let's go with validation. What do you got? All right, validation. I have the same figure that I made for you last week, which was we have we have uh, predictions and we have errors. And so, what you can do is you can do the our prediction minus their realized value divided by the error, and that gives you how many standard deviations they are a given player is away from their realized stat basically how accurate our prediction was and then if you throw these all together for all the players you can make a distribution and see how we did um on our predictions couple things let's start with the positives we nailed whip (laughs) whip we're like right on wow it looks really good whip we we just i mean we we got whip down era we got the median. <laughs> We're right on the centers, right in there. But we underestimated the errors. Um, yeah. Strikeouts, not so bad. Same sort of phenomenology. Pretty good. Same yeah. sort of phenomenology that we saw with the hitters, which was yeah. there's a few guys that came out of nowhere and got way higher values than we expected. But also different is that there are a few that got way lower than we expected. Indeed. Yes. But how much of that is injury? Uh, most. <laughs> most of it. Yeah. So I'm, yeah, I'm not as... We, uh, the wins model obviously needs a big recalibration, and I'm not even sure that this is a fair thing to do for saves. 
No, you can't. Basically, the guys that we forecast, because this is everybody, the guys that we forecast to be closers, we did pretty well on. The guys that we didn't forecast to be closers that got saves, we did not do well on. So I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means, I mean, I don't know what we should do about that. I don't know how much we should worry about it, I guess. Maybe we maybe we do pull that one out. Just from the validation, I mean, or we only validate on guys that we actually predicted saves for because our saves model is hand-tuned right now in the sense that we only forecast saves for guys that are in the only the guys that are in the yeah, depth chart because you don't want to have a saves model that says that Clayton Kershaw well Clayton Kershaw may be a bad example but Clayton Kershaw is going to get 0.00125 yeah exactly <laughs> exactly so we don't even forecast for guys that aren't in their roster's depth chart so when Randy Dobnak gets a save for the twins <laughs> we're just not ready for that right yeah like we exactly. just don't we just don't have a model that can handle that and therefore chris sale our validation looks way off exactly I, I, this is interesting i mean i guess the one that i'm most interested in talking about we'll talk about wins when we get to forecasting in a minute the one that i'm most interested in talking about is era and why we missed more than i expected on era and i've got a list of guys here that we that we missed on okay um and the categories that we missed on they're they're organized these are now organized by person um and then the category so here are the people that we missed on that were much worse on era than we predicted carlos carrasco zach davies matt shoemaker stefan Crichton, shane green jake arietta matt foster uh that's it those are all the guys that were more than four sigma off sorry I, i'm scanning through the list those are the guys that are more than four sigma off um i i mean i think to some extent i think our error was just miscalibrated here i don't see anything i mean these are these guys had way worse seasons than we would have guessed but i don't see anything insidious about like why they're so bad yeah so let's walk let's walk, walk through an example here and like just try to sure figure out what's going on so era matt shoemaker we i guess i always pick twins right thank you yeah his era was 8.06 yep. we predicted a 3.75 this year yep and that meant the um sigma was 0.53 yeah so i mean we we gave him a pretty generous you know pretty generous error band one sigma there is 3.25 to 4.25 and we're still and we're way outside of that outside right of i mean yeah. three sigma on this would have been a 5.25 <laughs> and he you know manages to miss that mm. wow but how are we going to be able to predict the guys that are going to blow up well i well okay so i because matt shoemaker uh, matt shoemaker is a great example because he was on the roster off the yeah. roster and those are the guys that are like the hardest to really predict because they can balloon their ERA really fast because they do like two decent starts. They have like a 4.5 ERA that's well within the the error bar. And then they have that one game where they get lit. Yeah. And then the next day, DL stint, actually, you know, they have shoulder inflammation. They get better, have one rocky start that's fine, good enough. Six ERA, their ERA is now up to like eight. And then... You know, maybe they're shut down for the season, or maybe it's just that cycle keeps on going. Yeah, how do we predict that? Because the guys who are up in the like the, you know, somewhere between five point five to ten 
something happened. Something happened for them to either have that ERA so high or for them to continue to be on the roster. (laughs) Right, because that's the thing is that it's just teams don't roster guys that are up above 5.5 in ERA. (laughs) So, you know, for very long. So they either blew up and then they got sent down or, I mean, that's that's the most likely scenario in this. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. I mean, some sense of volatility in their innings pitched. I mean, maybe maybe we need some maybe we need some study of consistency, like how how they're accumulating innings pitched over the course of the year or something that that checks to see if they're bouncing back and forth like getting only spot starts or bouncing between uh between being a starter and a reliever i mean carrasco is a good case too i mean he's a guy so he's on this list he's a guy that bounced around a little bit um in terms of usage not doing something regular this year and we just missed on him again i mean i don't know what you do with that yeah, you were a little bullish even in season. You're you're talking about Carlos Carrasco and Slarvel. It's really bad. I was bullish on both Carrasco and Zach Davies, right? And they're the top two on this list. Like, nice. <laughs> really? <laughs> you stick with your guys. Jake Arrieta is in this. Yeah, I mean, those are the hard. These are the these are hard ones to predict. But let me. I mean, they. What is the what is the best way to for us to try to tune? Is it to for us to try to like see if there's like a stat that we can add in? A shadow stat? Is this how all these models end up getting so complicated? <laughs> that's that's exactly right. I mean, there, it's either that or we try and fit for the try and fit the per, the free parameters in the model right now, and that's a thing that we can talk about um, when I show you some of the rankings because I have a, an explanation where I've been trying to highlight all of of how we make the rankings, where I've been trying to highlight all of the free parameters, and basically you could imagine. And we just guessed right <laughs> at most of these free parameters until yep. they looked okay. But you could you could imagine actually systematically in this. I mean, the process is fast, right? It it takes us no time to run the rankings. So you could imagine actually fitting for the best stats that matched this year or something, uh, or the best prefactors. And so I'm tempted to try that and just see what happens. But mm-hmm. we nailed WHIP, so. It makes me worry that there is some shadow stat between ERA and WHIP that we're just not that we're overlooking. True, you're 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 right. You're right. How is how do we nail WHIP? Well, they're they're forecasting and aren't as good. They're forecasting ERA. different things, right? So ERA, we are we're literally forecasting earned runs, which has some inherent volatility. Whereas WHIP, we're forecasting hits and walks separately, and then adding them together. And it just turns out that we're just more accurate. At, at forecasting hits and walks than we are at forecasting earned runs. It's So, yeah, I guess it's the, we know pitcher X will give up a certain number of hits, whatever, but then we don't know whether pitcher X is going to allow those guys across home plate in an appreciable yes. way. Yep, there's an added, there is, you know, I'm coming around to your idea of a shadow stat because there is some added ingredient between hits and walks which are relatively straightforward and earned runs and how those are converted into runs so one would think that like babip yeah would not be the shadow stat but at the same time it's all about whether or not those 
go at the same time, right? Well, what what is it? If yeah. yeah, if batting average of balls in play could end up being a factor if you know those batting average those are all on when there's a guy on base. Is there well, maybe we need to do the like statcast deep dive on all the like cool That's stats. What, I mean, what, so what is what sets a guy's strand rate? Because they'll talk about strand rates for teams. I mean, what what is the ingredient in strand rate? Because that's going to correlate with this, presumably. So you're saying, let's sidetrack this conversation. Let's see if we can predict strand rate, and then hop yeah, back basically over and implement that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have to I say like there is, there is a crucial thing here because the wins model is built on the forecast of how many ERAs the person gives up, <laughs> the guy gives up. So if we don't nail our earned run prediction, because that that's the strongest correlation, which I'll I can talk about more, but the strongest correlation between wins is with earned runs, obviously. But if we can't forecast earned runs, it's really hard to forecast wins. Right. It's yes, yeah. Wins is a combination of your ERA, but really your ERA distribution of outcomes. Yeah. So our error bars on ERA count double. Yeah triple almost because yeah they inform us on on the era model but then they also tell us like how many wins we can get because if it, we are uncertain about a guy and we say the middle of his distribution is four well that could mean that he could win half of his games exactly exactly and 30 games he could get up to 15 he could be a f- four era guy who's won 15 games <clears throat> because he's really has a you know shallow distribution as i start to give <laughs> Hand gestures. I mean, normal. We, we've seen that. We've seen that before, right? I mean, we we you know there are players like that. So, uh, yeah. Basically, I mean, I was going to talk about the win model, but I think I'll talk about that in depth another time. But it, you know, we have to get earned runs right. So I think that there is this is an element that we actually have to study in a little bit more depth. And I think we have some good leads between Babib and Strand rate and try and just figure out what what do they correlate with? Like, what else can we mix in here that might help? Well, I guess I, I, initially, the first step is which one correlates yeah. more, strand rate or BIP or FIP? Yeah. Oh. Defensive metrics. That's a good point. But one of the the difficulties is it's like, you know, at the, the hindsight is twenty twenty, right? So if we know, oh, you know, the Red Sox had a really bad defense, and then we're like, oh, so the ERA was actually higher for everybody because the Red Sox had a bad defense. Well, that's awesome to know at the end of the season, but we don't necessarily know that preseason. Yeah. And, and you really, well, we, I mean, even if we know it, we can't quantify it. You really it. do want to know that, right? I mean, like right. that actually from a fantasy perspective, like this is an interesting data science problem, but from a fantasy perspective, that's also really important. <laughs> like we yeah. should, we Come should on, really, really, need, really to know need to know this. <laughs> so all right. I mean, I need to do things like not draft Carrasco and Davies next year, right? So, yes, I would not suggest drafting them. Um, strikeouts. I'm going to tune again. I'm going to try and tune that. We're we're pretty close. Um, we're not looks we're not good. quite as on as WHIP, but it looks basically like what we got for the batters last week, which again makes me think that we're by and large predicting the pitcher themselves correctly, <laughs> but just not. Well, yeah, it seems yeah. like if we can figure out WHIP and strikeouts. I think that we can do a little bit. We can both. I mean, we we can cheat on this, Michael. I, I'm pretty sure that we can cheat on this and have, um, you know, throw out more people with like innings sure. limits 
and then we'll this will automatically look a little little bit better better but we can also we can tune the strikeouts one to get good no i i agree with you i mean the the point here is not to i right i should back up and say our predictions by and large are pretty good <laughs> they're actually quite good it's it's really a quest the reason to do this validation is to figure out if we can make ourselves even a little bit more accurate than or like figure out what was falling short about them I mean, I, I've developed a lot yeah. of trust in our predictions at this point. What's funny is, you know, we're talking about where it doesn't work, the Carrasco-Davies, but there were a lot of points on TGFBI where it did help. It definitely did help in having it. And it's, you know, because you have to remind yourself that our predictions are not a prediction. We shouldn't just count them up and then pretend that we've, you know, we've won the season because our predictions make it look like we're, our counting stats are better. No, this is putting together a non-biased model that says, you know, this is what your thinking is. This is how your thinking is that uh, this season will play out instead of doing that on the fly. That's right. Yeah, so I'm going to keep working on this. Um, I do want to deep dive with you on the wins model at some point, but I think first thing to do is for me to do some of those ERA investigations. I think that about brings us to the review session. Willie Castro? Willie Castro of the Detroit Tigers, believe it or not, 450 plate appearances this year. <laughs> Would not have guessed he got to that number. 56 runs, no. 9 home runs, 38 RBIs, 220 average, 9 stolen bases. Those are not great numbers, even on 450 plate appearances. Got to be honest, the AL Central is full of players like this. <laughs> I, I mean, he's 24. So, right, the upside is that he's 24. The downside is that, yeah, he's, he's in the AL Central and just none of the teams can can put anything together. He's fast. That's like, I yeah. think that's that's all you can say for him. That max exit velocity is pretty high too. So I don't know hitter. if I, I don't know how much I trust that. I mean, his average exit velocity is extremely low. <laughs> so, yeah, oh, really? fifth percentile. Yeah, I mean, oh, that yeah, is, there that's is, a yeah. remarkable oh, split. Is... You do not see a split like five fifth percentile average exit velocity, ninety fifth percentile max exit. I mean, it's like he hit one ball really, really hard, and that's it. Square. I mean, even blind squirrel finds a nut. I you got that right. Uh, I mean, sprint speed's his really only plus stat. Nine. But even nine, even nine stolen bases isn't enough to to make him rosterable. No, it's I mean no, not. nothing about this line is rosterable. 56 runs on 450 plate appearances is just i mean is fielding any good is what (laughs) is fielding any good (laughs) it's a good question let's check his but he's 61206 i mean he screens like a guy that should be not that bad this is where like our our models fall down is like not predicting when a guy like this goes from being like goes from being like a player like this to then like having a not top 10 year but having like a top 50 60 year we're so much better at predicting the like joey vado will still be relevant and you should probably draft him than <laughs> having then picking up the like willie castro has been mired as a quadruple a player and this is the year that you're going to be able to I mean, maybe the only like okay. So here's the biggest silver lining is that 2019 he hits 11 home runs in the minors. Is that good enough? I mean, I like no. But I did just watch the uh, load random video home run, 100 exit velocity of 108, launch to launch angle of 27, 
connected on the ball and looked like Ken Griffey. Well, he hits a, his, I don't know if he's, I mean, his, his top was, he hit a ball 115 miles an hour this year. I mean, that's, that's rare. That is, that's not common. And he hit a ball last year, 110. So it's not like he's, I, I, I don't know. Is he, he's got something every once in a while. Yeah. Ooh, he's a switch hitter, isn't he? Don't like that. Well, I mean, if you're not a very good hitter, then I don't like that. No, absolutely don't like that. Um, I mean, I... Focus on hitting from one side of the plate <laughs> I, and start doing it better. Oh, yeah. I, I actually think that he will get better. I mean, I, th- I think he's going to be better next year. Is he good enough to the point where he's rosterable? I doubt it. No. I don't, I don't think so. I wouldn't even draft him yet, but I might keep him on you know what i gotta catch up on your your you've been so much better on these um on the bet box lately what are you gonna do what is the what is the line that you want to place him at uh for what's the line for him of like end of season next year yeah and end of season next year um i see him i see him doing the same rates that he did this year except for a little a modest improvement in home runs and average. And he's pro- I think he's probably actually a 250 hitter, just because, like, <laughs> most most guys are. Uh, yeah, most guys are, like, 240, right? It feels like 240 yeah. is about... So I, I'd right? say, I mean, I'd say I'd be willing to take the over at 248, which is his career line. I think he'd be better than... I think he'll be better than that, because I think he's on an upswing. Okay. Another stylistic thing on your projections. Yeah. It would be great if we could have the headers when we scroll down. Well, it's supposed to be searchable, but yeah, fair enough. Did I forecast him? You did. And? If, well, 268 average. Do you want to take the over wow. on that? Wow, that was so nice of me. Uh, I got to go under on that one. 268. That's insane. Model loves him. Home runs, seven. Over. Runs, 62. Oh, that's a, that's a good line, actually. I think over, though. It sounds like you like Willie Castro. RBI is 42. I think he's going to get better. <laughs> um, okay, that one I'll go under. Oh, stolen base is four. Whoa, that's so low. Oh, well, he'd never stolen a base before this year, so the model's confused in the majors. Can do him more. He's, I mean, he's going to way over that. Three out of the four, three out of the five categories, you think he's going to do better? I do. He's 24. Okay, I mean, I think so too, though. I mean, 268, well, let's see, You so you said everything but everything but average, you think he's going to go higher? Yes. Yeah. Maybe, maybe RBIs, I could be twisted one way or the other. I think that line's really good at 42. It's, it's low. It's, it's it's just low enough that it could jump over it and still do what you're what I think you're thinking. Yeah, right now. exactly. We're like, best case scenario, he ends up being batting one in that lineup. Yeah, and his, stealing. his runs get even more tilted. <laughs> I mean, okay, so best case scenario for this guy, 600 plate appearances, he bats 285. He gets to, like, 95 runs. He gets to 60 RBI, like 55 RBIs, and he steals 25 bases. That's a great best case scenario. I mean, that's an own, well, if he gets to over 20 stolen bases, he's an ownable guy in fantasy. We just don't really see anything to suggest he's going to do that. No, no, he never stole. He hadn't stolen a base before this year. <laughs> I mean, this is what's so tough. Like, how do we predict? And then, how do we predict like the random player like this doing it? The Jorge Soler year. Yeah, yep, yep. That's a great Last example. Year. 
where it's like, you know, there's the tools. There are the tools there, clearly. He's in the major leagues. He's played in the major leagues, but we've never seen him put it. I think he belongs on a deep sleeper list, but I don't think you can draft him. Okay. But I don't know. Maybe at the end of the draft, this guy, just like, this I'll, guy. Put, I'll throw it in there. All right, maybe. Maybe like a TGFBI. All right, so I'm going to say this is going to be a flyer. End of the uh, very end of TGFBI draft. Wow. Okay. Who are we doing next? We're going to talk about Chris Taylor. Let's do Chris Taylor next. Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, Mind the Z. All I've got left is worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too. Yeah.